This Choircast podcast episode is brought to you by Returning to Eden, a field guide for the spiritual journey. Returning to Eden is a book by Heather Hamilton for people who resonate with aspects of Christianity but struggle with the coherence of its claims. After having a mystical experience that shattered her evangelical beliefs, Heather Hamilton found herself on the journey that every true spiritual seeker ultimately takes. The highest truths that set us free are hidden in places that most people are not looking. Returning to Eden re-examines the Bible stories of childhood and opens them up as symbolic maps into the inner world. Stories like Jonah and the Whale, the parting of the Red Sea, Noah's Ark, and the Virgin Birth are illuminated with penetrating depth and intellectual integrity. Faith is no longer a white-knuckled grip on implausible beliefs, but a relaxation into a deep inner knowing. You can purchase Returning to Eden by Heather Hamilton at Amazon.com or at ReturningToEden.com. What's up, friends? Happy Friday. How are we doing? On this episode, I brought on Kaylee from the Center for Prophetic Imagination. She is a trans woman, and she reached out to me and said, hey, I saw this article by the Gospel Coalition called I Love My Transgender Child, I Love Jesus More. I'm not sure if you read this article. It's a real doozy. So her and I went through the article, and we, we responded to it. I will just give you a trigger warning now. There's a lot of talk about suicidal ideation, and it's just a very brutal it's a very brutal letter friends i mean it it is incredible how people i don't want to start ranting but it's incredible how people can really think that they're following jesus as their child tells them that um because they will not be affirmed by their parents they are now suicidal and the parent says well we love jesus more i mean i I wish i was exaggerating you're going to hear soon that we're not but kaylee came on to share her experience her thoughts and uh, it was great. It was really good having her on on the podcast just to talk about this stuff. I really like responding to stuff like this. I think it's important to have other voices um, just reacting to the content put out by places like the Gospel Coalition. And so I really hope that you enjoyed this episode. Of course, friends, thank you so much for your support. Project Amplify is off to a strong start. We have contributors that want to work with us, which is so amazing. If you want to support the work that we do, you can click on the link in our show notes and support us. We are a nonprofit organization. What does this mean? It means that everything we do is paywall free, and we are supported by the generosity of people like you. Now, listen, I'm just saying it's the end of the year. If you want that sweet tax deduction, you can donate. All donations, we're a 501c3, all right? So all donations made in the U.S. are tax deductible for you, gives you a little break on your taxes, helps us out, helps us make this work possible. I've told you this before. I'm going to tell you again. I am still looking into options to do an ad-free version of the show. Same content, no extra episodes, just none of those pesky ads that tend to interrupt you in the middle of a conversation. So I'm working on that. I'm hoping to have something to you by maybe February, something like that, some kind of option where you can opt in that doesn't make you have to go to uh, a Patreon account or something like that. So so hang tight for that. Friends, I'm so grateful for you. Thank you. Uh, we're coming up at the end of 2023. I cannot believe it. We have a few more episodes coming your way. I'm excited to share them. Enjoy this episode with Kaylee. We'd love to know what you think. Talk to you all later on. See ya. My name is Joseph Yu, and I am an Episcopalian priest, and I fully believe in what Project Amplify is trying to do, which is to amplify voices and theology, to offer a counter-narrative to the voices and platforms that uses the Bible as a leverage to marginalize, to exclude, and to dehumanize. Project Amplify wants to amplify voices and theology to talk about the, uh, the love and justice of God and just how diverse and how inclusive our God is and, and the gospel is. So if you want to help provide a different narrative of what it means to be a Christian and a follower of Christ, please click the link below to donate. Thank you. Hi, my name is Courtney. I live in London, United Kingdom, and I am a TNE monthly donor. I'm a domestic abuse survivor and was raised with John MacArthur and purity culture rhetoric. I left my abuser in September 2020, moving from LA to Southern Utah. I had been a Cali girl my whole life, so seeing the Christian nationalism and patriarchy present in Utah gave me quite a shock. During that time, I began deconstructing and making sense of my abuse and how my church upbringing and political affiliations contributed to it. It's a painful discovery that I'm still coming to terms with. 
I've never been a big believer in tithing, but you guys gave me a mission I can get behind. I hate that term now, but I don't know of any other more fitting. The U.S. is on a trajectory mirroring that of 1930s Germany, and if something isn't done soon to circumvent that, I worry what the repercussions would be not just for the U.S., but for the whole world. Well, I am pumped to have this conversation. Um, Kaylee, you actually reached out to me and you were like, hey, I have some thoughts on this Gospel Coalition article um, called I Love My Transgender Child, I Love Jesus More. And it actually worked out well because I saw this article, it dropped right before Thanksgiving. I was like, oh, I really want to respond to it, but like, what's the best format? And this is a written article. It's not a video. So how do I respond to it? And then, I mean, look at God. You just, you messaged (laughs) me at the right time. And then here we are now on a podcast we're going to talk about that. So thank you for making time to hop on the pod and talk about this article. It means a lot. Yeah, of course. Um, I, I, I said like about a week ago that I was going to make this article like my personality for the next week. Um, because I wrote about it for, for my work. Uh, there should be an article coming out on our Bible app, uh, talking about it. And I'm, I'm on your podcast. Um, I love it. And we'll we'll get into That's why great. a little bit more. It's because to me, it's not just the harmful theology. It's that we got to recognize the fact that the Gospel Coalition actually said the quiet part out loud, and in their theology, mm. and what what their theology means whenever it comes to like the actual well being of children. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Well, before we do that, I would love to hear just a little snapshot about your backstory and then what you do, uh, you know, for your, uh, for uh, this kind of work. And then we'll hop into it. So did you grow up in evangelical spaces? I am kind of curious. We haven't talked a whole lot. Like, how did you grow up? And then what got you into this whole space that you and I are now occupying? Yeah, I grew up almost more like more fundamental than evangelical. Like evangelical were kind of seen as too liberal for us. Uh, I came from the independent Christian church, which uh, if, <laughs> if, it, if pe- like people who have experience in the independent Christian church, like they understand, like it's, uh, it's kind of next level there. Um, but yeah, I grew up in that world. I went to Boise Bible college as my undergrad um, and got, I got a degree in worship ministry so like definitely definitely not something that like I was gonna make money in, right? So like if if you wanna talk like if you wanna yeah. talk about somebody who's like can can has conviction that what they're doing is the right thing, go look at youth pastors because they're obviously not doing it for money. Um right. especially in like the small church setting. So from both during my time at Boys Bible College, I decided that I wanted to change focuses and I really what I wanted to do is become a professor. And so within the independent Christian church, like an MDiv is actually seen as more helpful than like a master's of theology um, because they want like the pastoral of overlay of education. So like, that's what I went to do, get my, my MDiv so I could like come back and be like some kind of pastor within that realm. So I went to Lincoln Christian University and people who have heard my story in other podcasts, like you'll start to recognize uh, where this is going. I went to Lincoln Christian University. I did a year and a half there, but I'd gotten married like right before it. My, my wife was pregnant. Um, and so like, I couldn't really afford to stay in seminary in 2000, 2009, 2010. Um, you like hmm. the first recession that millennials had to live through. <laughs> and then uh, I ended up joining the military did nine years in the military and then left as a conscientious objector. Like I actually went through the process of filling out the paperwork and like it went all the way up to the secretary of defense to get approval of saying, yeah, this person truly believes what they're saying. And uh, we're going to release them from the military because their beliefs say that they shouldn't take part in the military anymore. From there, I went to, I went back to Lincoln Christian university after already being enrolled in everything, then I realized I was trans and I tried to finish out my education. It was online. Like I was not even on campus or anything. They ended up finding out that I was trans and kicked me out of school. Mm. Really? They gave me the, uh, they gave me the choice of like state, like withdrawing during that grace period of you can withdraw and not be charged for the credits or try to go through the semester and face a disciplinary board, which, never goes well for queer people and 
<laughs> in religious right. spaces. Uh, so like, yeah, I was, I was forced to drop out, which by the way is considered uh, sexual harassment by the department of education. But because mm. they're a religious organization, they were able to ask for a title nine exemption after the fact, like after the kicking me out and, and then me filing a complaint. So like the complaint got rejected because they filed for a religious exemption and after the fact, uh, which is where a lot of my work has come in with like reap. I've done a lot of things with reap and you've seen me um, like there was an interview with me on, on God's campus that uh, I think just finished up today as we're recording this. Um, I think today the last episode dropped. Uh, yeah. But from there, I ended up uh, meeting Mason Meninga on like social media, and he helped me get into United Theological Seminary of Twin Cities, where I was able to finish my Master of Divinity. Um, and from there, I, uh, I ended up applying for a job with the Center for Prophetic Imagination, which ended up being like the perfect fit for me because me and the executive director are like, we definitely approach things differently, but we still have like the same views and understanding of spirituality that really overlap well. And both of us are trans women uh, and we just, we like get along really well. So yeah, that's how I got into what, what I do now, which is I am the director of digital outreach for the center of prophetic imagination, um, which focuses on the intersection of spiritual discernment and social justice. And I do like all the online um, stuff for for them yeah long story there <laughs> hmm. yeah okay looking for a new career welcome to do hvac training service center in north charleston enroll today in our comprehensive hvac training hands-on field experience based program covering troubleshooting maintenance installation and more on various hvac systems and ductwork we offer epa and nate preparation and testing along with various certifications enjoy payment options achieve certification in under five months enroll now for your new journey of skill development and career advancement log on to dew WHVACTRAININGSC.COM to inquire. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing all that. No, it's good. It's always good to have background on our guests, especially when we're going to, you know, talk about something that for a lot of people is a very sensitive topic for a myriad of reasons. And I think people, people have questions about how they navigate stuff like this. And so I'm glad to have you on the show to, as we kind of respond to this. So I'll, I'll just set the stage for the audience kind of briefly. Um, November 22nd, this article that this written piece by an anonymous person by the way we don't know who it is um it was posted on the tgc's website so the gospel coalition if you don't know friends is a pretty large like media entity um they're pretty conservative uh pretty you know um typical evangelical fundamentalist kind of view and they posted this piece it says i love my transgender child period I love Jesus more, period, posted by Anonymous. And the the long and short of it, and we're going to go through a mm-hmm. lot of this, is that it's, it's a pretty short piece written by someone who says, hey, I love God so much. Um, I'm starting to understand. I mean, they open up by saying, Jesus connects family strife to bearing a cross. And I'm beginning to understand these verses personally. Following Jesus has led to a type of death between my oldest son, me and my wife and our other children. And the reason why this death has happened is because they're, they say son, I'm not sure how this process works now for them. It's anonymous, but they I, say I'm, that, I'm certain that's a misgendering on intentional misgendering because they like, they say honoring like pronouns is against Jesus. Like, so should we say daughter here then to be clear? Is that better? So I don't know because it could be non-binary, but all, all we know is that their kid is most likely not their son. Fair. Yes. Okay. That's great. That's good. So this person says that 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 their child uh, professed faith in Jesus at a young age, and um, when they were eighteen, um, essentially approached them and said, "Hey, you know, I I think I might be transgender," and then eventually said, "Hey, I believe this is compatible with Scripture's teachings." And then it sounds like from this piece began the process to you know. Mm-hmm. Um, um, to affirm that. And that essentially uh, led the parent uh, or parents to say, um, okay, mm-hmm. um, but I'm not, I'm not going to accept you for who you are. Um, and so because of that, now that you're distant from me, it's really on you because I'm here to love you how I know how to love you and you won't accept my love. And therefore you're actually rejecting me. So it's a very interesting, like, and frustrating yeah, article because yeah, you're like, really Oh my is. gosh, it's, it's such an inversion, right. Of like, well, I'm the standard. My interpretation of the Bible is the standard. If you don't submit to that standard, I can no longer um, be in relationship with you, how you need me to be 
in relationship with you. Mm -hmm. And so now you're cut off, but I'm the victim here, not my child. So anyway, that's kind of setting the stage. I want to give a hand over to you, uh, Kaylee, because this is really Mm -hmm. your world as far as you do a lot more of this work than I do. Give me your thoughts on this. Yeah. I mean, kind of a big thing there is the, the part of the article where their kid gets to a place where they become suicidal and they actually have to get checked in CER because they're suicidal. Right. And the author like says that they worried that they would like walk in and find their kid dead. Like they, they actually state this out before they get into the, well, this is how I'm going to love Jesus over my kid. Like that's the premise of start of starting it. Um, but like just taking that part later on in the article, they say Jesus is life, um, which is completely like, it's one of those things where like, you know, you're so close. You're so close because mm. you believe in this Jesus that brings life. But what you're doing is pushing your kid towards death. And like, to me, that that is like the most blaring thing that is so wrong about this framework is that this author doesn't even see that the theology that they hold cannot be consistent. If Jesus is life, then your belief in Jesus should not lead to literal death. But at the same time, like, like I said at the beginning, this is really the quiet part out loud. Like, this is the theology that the Gospel Coalition holds. And a lot of times they've talked about trans people, they've talked about uh, like gay people. I don't really know if they've gotten too much into like asexual or anything. Like, there's still, uh, I'm sure there's still a plethora of groups that they can uh, start spinning things against. Um, but they have spent so much time speaking about people in the abstract that they rarely get into the actual details of how this is lived out. So like talking about trans people, it's always in like trans people are out there. They exist. This is how we interact with them in theory. Right. This article is as far as I can tell is like the first time that they actually get into the effects of their theology on a real person. Hmm. And the truth is the effects of their theology is uh, was pushing their, this child to be suicidal. Like this is, this is the theology being lived out in the world. And I don't know about you, the tradition that I grew up in, like we kind of looked down on child sacrifice. Uh, that was something <laughs> that like yeah. we were supposed to go against, um, <laughs> uh, just in general, like yeah. the Old Testament talks about like not, sacrificing your children, uh, especially for the, the worship of a deity, right? Mm. But you're getting to this theology where faithfulness to Jesus, which is considered by them to be an act of worship, faithfulness right. to, to their Jesus, if that is leading to the death of your kid, if your faithfulness and your worship of your deity is leading to the death of your kid, you are partaking in child sacrifice. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I, I want to read just that section so so folks can understand this. Now, I'm going to put a trigger warning in the intro, but I'll put another one right here, friends. This is some pretty intense stuff. And just so we're clear, I'm going to just use uh, the uh, they pronoun just to be neutral on this. Yeah, I don't yeah, want to misgender yeah. someone. I think it's the safest bet here. We don't know what's going on. So so they're using the masculine. They're using he, him, but we're not going to use that one. So here's, here's what it says. This is the author who's anonymous writing. During one conversation, when we, the parents, said we couldn't use their preferred names and pronouns, they said to us, quote, then I can't guarantee I won't kill myself, unquote. Now, I'm breaking out of that already. I'm already stopping. I'm a parent. You're a parent. I have two children. If, If my children said, I'm at such a low point in my life that I need this from you, and if you don't give it to me, I might take my own life, my approach would be, pragmatically, whatever we have to do to save your life now, Mm -hmm. we will do. And then we will work through the rest later on. But for this set of parents, here's how it works out. So continued on. They eventually went to their room, wailing and weeping profusely. My wife and I were also crying, feeling helpless. Certainly, it'd be easier to simply call them by their preferred name and pronouns. Certainly, it'd be easier to celebrate the things they celebrate. Again, another thing here is that's so important. Um, it wouldn't be also easier. It'd be life-giving. It's not a matter of easy. In fact, it actually, it would be harder for you, right? Because the hard thing is what you don't Mm -hmm. want to do. So obviously you're, you're convinced about this, you know, God who's saying, 
even if your child is suicidal, um, it doesn't matter. You have to hold true to what I'm telling you to do. And I'm going to continue it on just to get to your point that you mentioned, Kaylee. Continue it on here. In these moments, it's hard to remember that the change they're asking for will harm them not only spiritually, but also mentally and physically, which anyway, we just know is not the case. Last year, my child suffered severe depression and suicidal ideation, admitting themselves to the ER during Christmas break. It was the bleakest Christmas my family had ever experienced, and those weeks led to months of wondering if I would find my child dead in their room. Our questions persisted. Why can't we just hold them and make everything better? Does God care? Wow. Wow. Okay, you talk. I've talked enough, but wow. Like, it's so bad because... What like they literally said, if if we affirm our child, then it could lead to deteriorating mental health and deteriorating spiritual health. That's that's what they said, right? Yes. If if they if they affirm their kid, so they choose not to. So what happens? Their <laughs> mental health deteriorates. And later on in the article, or I think it's later in the article, I don't have it pulled up in front of me. They also say that their spiritual well-being also deteriorates. So like Yes. The, the, like the outcomes that they truly believe might happen if they affirm their kid literally come to pass uh, from not being affirming. <laughs> so like, I don't know, it's, it's so weird to have somebody like really believe the logic that they're having and then not work it through because any, anyone should be able to look at this and be like, uh, yeah, you like your outcomes are right, but the, the cause wasn't there. Um, right. But also, like, you have to understand, it was the easy thing. The easy thing would be to affirm your kid to to use their name and pronouns. Like, that's the easy thing. Like, nobody nobody says that. Nobody says that's the easy the easy thing. Because one, if you do that, and you're like in an evangelical church, you're probably going to lose your community. Yeah. Uh, if you're a leader in the evangelical church, you're going to lose your job. Right. You are probably going to get cut off from family if you do that, if you support them, it, because most conservative people generally come from conservative families. Yeah. So there's a really good chance you're going to lose people in their family. Like affirming your kid is not the easy step. Like, sure, it might be easy to a- actually say those words. But no, it is not the easy way out. The easy way out is to do nothing, to yeah. not change the, not change yourself, not change your theology, not examine the outcome of your theology. That part's easy. Remaining unaffirming is the easiest thing you can do. Yeah. So just to, like that framing is just completely illogical. It's completely just devoid of reality to say that the easy thing is to affirm. Like, no, no, it's not. If If affirming was the easy way, then like, I would still have relationships with a lot of my family. Like, right, right, uh, <laughs> right. Well, what's interesting too to me is is how for this author, even the fact that their child is telling them, hey, like here's the path I'm on, they are so, their belief of about how they view the Bible and Jesus and God is so concrete. They can look at their mm-hmm. child and say, well, but if we do this, we're only hurting you as their child is, is literally in the ER for suicidal ideation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's like, it's like how deep seated does that belief have to be cemented for you to not even question? Well, maybe I'm viewing this thing theologically incorrectly because the fruit of my belief is actually pushing my child to take their own life. But instead the article is, well, if we did affirm them, that would quote harm them not only spiritually but also mentally and physically. How much lower can you get than checking yourself into the uh-huh. ER, you know, for potentially wanting to take your own life? I, I, I don't know how. Like, where's the logic? Where's the where is the consistency of you know? You're you would think I, I'm not sure about you, but I was taught that like, hey. Christians have the best life or the happiest, you know, fruits of the spirit. Mm-hmm. When we have the right beliefs, we have the right lived outcome, et cetera. So you would think that, okay, if this belief was true, I would see my child flourishing under me, helping them say, don't do that. Right. Almost mm-hmm. like, like, like touching a hot stove. Right. When I, when I tell my child, do not touch the hot stove, I actually am helping them. Right. Cause if they touch it, they're mm-hmm. going to get third degree burns. In this case though, it's inverted them telling their child, 
I will not affirm you leads to outcomes that are detrimental to that child's well-being, but the belief still the belief system says, no, 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 you're doing the right thing. You're doing even mm-hmm. though you think it's quote unquote hard, you're doing the right thing as your child checks themselves into an ER. That is crazy yeah. when you think about it. And just going back to that idea that Christian beliefs should lead to flourishing, which that's been disproven like over and over. And I'm sure like you've talked about, <laughs> I, I know that you've covered like sex, sex abuse in the church, like yeah, yeah. Christian things generally lead to harm um, <laughs> or certain Christian things generally lead to harm. Yeah. So I, I want to keep going because after that whole section, right, then the heading mm-hmm. is loving Jesus more. And this is what the author says. When my, when my child thought we hated them, they didn't realize our love for Jesus and for them is greater than they could imagine. Can we just sit with that? I'm going to read it one more time. Audience, if you're driving, I just want you to, fo- I know <laughs> like you, Kaylee, my mind can just kind of wonder as I'm listening, right? So let's bring it back. Listen to this one more time. Remember, the whole pretense is we have not affirmed our child. Our chi- The last paragraph is our child suffered severe depression and suicidal ideation, admitting themselves to the ER during Christmas break. That's where we left off. Next paragraph, when my child thought we hated them, they didn't realize our love for Jesus and for them is greater than they could imagine. What universe are we operating in? What, what, where, when is love, hate and hate love? The outcome is so crazy Mm -hmm. here. And the author goes, but we just love Jesus and our child so much. How, how do you, how do you prove this? I mean, I, I have put a lot of thought into this because this is something Please. I have heard myself being, yes. being a trans woman. Like I have literally had people tell me that they're being unaffirming is them loving. It is not. First of all, hmm. what, what a person loves is not the trans person. What the person loves is the person they wish the trans person was. Mm. They, the, the, like the, this person loves their son, Right. Their son doesn't exist. They don't have, well, they might have a son, but this child that they're talking about is not their son. Their child is trans. They are identifying something other than masculine. They don't love this child. They love the child that they believe they should have. Hmm. And they have a theology that tells them, I can know who you should be because I've read the Bible. I've read the Bible in my own way. And I believe that trans people don't exist. And because of that, I can say with certainty that, uh, that you are not the person you tell me you are. You are the person that I believe you to be. And I will love that person that I believe should exist. Hmm. That, that is the underlying, like, what is going on here theologically? There's just, there is so much certainty that trans people have can't exist that that they can justify like they can justify their actions as love because it's loving towards the person they believe should exist yes yes i that is a really great distinction and so this author goes on to kind of justify this whole thing right and of Mm -hmm. course the bible is the center and not just the bible certain verses are the center so so here's what he goes on to say he says in luke 14 26 when jesus tells his disciples they they have to quote hate their children he wasn't speaking of literal hatred the scriptures are replete with god's good commands to enjoy and sacrificially love our children unless they're trans in this case then you just don't affirm them let them go to the ER because that's somehow love. And and he says he says to sacrificially love your children. If you're if your child is the one going towards death, you're not sacrificing anything of yourself. Mm. You're sacrificing your child. Like yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. Jesus, I'm, I'm, I'm quoting here, audience. Jesus doesn't mm-hmm. contradict this. Instead, he's emphasizing the degree of the sacrifice you make when you love Jesus. Your love for Jesus can be viewed by your family, even your children, as hatred. So I want to point out two things here. First off, these sentences contradict. Okay, the scriptures are replete with God's commands to enjoy and sacrificially love our children. And then last sentence, your love for Jesus can be viewed by your family, even your children, as hatred. Okay, if that's how they're taking it, especially in this context, something is not correct. But more importantly, Hmm. there is a Bible verse that's missing here that people in in this world love to use when it comes to the quote unquote 
grooming agenda, right? And it's mm-hmm. the it's the verse where Jesus says, anyone who causes one of these children to stumble is better off having a millstone tied around their neck and then thrown into the ocean. Somehow mm-hmm. that piece of scripture gets conveniently left out and these parents are off the hook. I mean, again, the, the parent by the by the parents' admission, their conversation with their child led their child to a place of almost to, taking to their harm. own life. Yeah. Right. Literally causing them to stumble. But somehow mm-hmm. the millstone doesn't belong around their neck. It's still the child's fault for not submitting yep. and becoming the Christian that they demand this child become. It, wow. And, and using so using that verse, like in a sense, they are kind of right in that verse. But they're assuming that their position is the ultimate truth position because you can make the same argument like me coming out and me having family members like reject me for being trans. That is seen as hate by family members. Right. So Mm -hmm. like really anyone can can use that logic for their position and they're using this as like we know we're right. And this is like justification for our beliefs because Jesus in talking about something completely different because Jesus' word says this, so we know that that's proof. Like, it's this weird circular logic of uh, because we believe we're right, then we believe that Jesus is talking about us. And because Jesus is talking about us, we know we're right. Yeah, that's great. (laughs) All right, next paragraph here. The reality is that my wife and I love our child, and we've always wanted to love what they love because we love them. Yet in this, we couldn't affirm them. We couldn't, quote, delight in evil. We had to delight in the truth, even if our child felt like our love was actually hatred. So this is kind of repeating what we've already said. I mean, at this Mm -hmm. point, now they're calling it evil. Um, I have a question for you, Kaylee. How much of this is just plain old ignorance versus willful ignorance. Meaning like, I know there's a lot of data out there. I know there's data that says when you affirm um, someone's gender identity, their risk of you know suicidal ideation goes uh-huh. way down. Like there is a lot of data that, that suggests that affirming someone's gender is actually a very healthy, fulfilling thing. I think that what, what's the set on people who actually undergo uh, some type of surgery? It's a very low uh, uh, you know rate of, of regret, et cetera. Do yeah. you think that some of this is just they're, they're so stuck in this evangelical bubble, they're just hearing certain talking points and are really convinced that for their child to be trans is is this like terrible thing for them? Or is it more about the theology that really can't be flexible to integrate anything other than what they think is the biblical truth? So, OK, this is such a weird intersection of different things. Um, yeah, and, really and like, yeah. so like it, it is willful ignorance in the mm. sense, like there is like, there is research out there. Like the Trevor project has a research out there that says parents alone affirming their kids could reduce their chance of suicide up to 48%. That's regardless of their surrounding. That is just parents. Right. It's a, it's a range of, it's like 27 to 48%, something like that. But like, that's a significant amount of just having parents being affirming. Right. So like in the research is out there. If, if you, there's also like terrible research that is also out there that, um, and that's kind of the problem is like, there's this entire world of, of creating counter research to Mm. try to justify a position. And then on top of that, um, (laughs) we just had a siren go, like past our house now my dogs are howling i don't know if the the microphone is picking that up slowly Um, that's okay there there is this entire uh view within evangelicalism that only the people that have the holy spirit are able to understand full truth and like Mm. i have literally heard this uh, whenever in evangelical circles when we're talking about things like science like Sure, scientists can come to some truth, but they can't get the full truth in their science because they don't have the Holy Spirit, which completely ignores the fact that there are Christians in science. But that's not the point. The point is, is you can, it gives you a way out to just reject anything that you don't want to be true because mm. you can just say, oh, this person doesn't have have the Holy Spirit. We don't have to, we don't have to listen to what they have to say because I have the Holy Spirit. I know that I have biblical Christianity. Thus, if their if their view is different from mine, I can just reject it outright. Mm. Um, but it's so ingrained that, like, be, because like I'm new to the progressive circles ish. Um, it's becoming longer. Like, 
I voted for Trump in 2016. Like, mm. this is how new I am uh, within a more progressive space. Um, but like that understanding is just so ingrained that pe- like I didn't even think about it when I was when I was back there. I was just like, oh, here's a news article saying something that's different than what I believe. I just I could just reject it outright because I knew that I understood the Bible right and. Because of that, I could uh, I can make assumptions about this research that uh, they just they didn't have all of the data points or whatever. Like I could just reject it without really thinking of it. And so that's yes. really what we're kind of yeah. still in in a lot of these evangelical circles is like such ingrained belief that anything that pushes against it can be rejected outright simply because it doesn't live up to my beliefs. And it's it is an anti-intellectual perspective, but it's viewed as faithfulness in in certain ways. Yes, that it, it is a weird thing. That's not a great word, but it's the best I got in the moment. You know, of there is this like undercurrent to the circles you and I kind of were a part of, even though they look very different. Of well, we we know what's true, and our 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 firm foundation is the Bible. And then whatever mm-hmm. matches up with that, we'll accept, right? And even then, it goes further. Yeah. It's not really just the Bible. It's how we view the Bible, right? Because yeah, these people will, th- will, will throw away James 5 and throw away all the verses about the poor and the marginalized mm-hmm. and call it Marxism or whatever. It's really about, okay, how we interpret the Bible <laughs> yeah. is God's word. Therefore, whatever data would reinforce that, we're going to welcome with open arms. Mm-hmm. And whatever data that would go against that, we're going to just call worldly or, or you really can't trust the data on this, right? And so you're right. Yeah. It kind of creates this perfect storm where if you're inside that house, um, it is all, every window is really a mirror, right? And mm-hmm. it's really, it's one of those like one-way mirrors where if you're on on one side, you can see through it. So it will let, it will let light in that maybe it's allowed to filter, but then it just reflects it right back to you. And you really can't see beyond yeah. the house that you're a part of. And it's frustrating because in order to do that, you end up really folding in on yourself all over the place. I mean, we just demonstrated that with this idea of love, how these parents really believe that even though their child, again, was was at, was in the ER um, at one point uh, because they were so depressed, uh, their response is, well, you know, sorry, Jesus loves you more than we do. And therefore, what we're really saying is how we think about Jesus is more important than how your well-being is, right? And so I, mm-hmm. it, it leads to really weird places where people almost gaslight themselves to think, well, I'm actually loving you as you're in the hospital <laughs> room um, on the verge of, of taking your own life, but we love you yeah. so much. We, we really can't help you not be that way. You just have to repent and believe the gospel because when you do that, you'll be free of this however they view, you know, being, in the, being yeah. queer, frankly, right? Which for many of them, unfortunately, see it as like, almost like a disease. And I, I hate to speak so, so terrible of that. Um, or I hate to use that language, but like, that's how people see it. Right. I mean, in, that's, in these that's a language that's being shown up online, right? Like yes. calling it a mental illness, calling it, um, uh, I mean, mental illness is the big one, but has to be eradicated, like being, right? Michael Knowles. Has to be eradicated. Yeah. It's yeah. sexual the, defense. The mind like, virus. That's the one I hear a lot yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> But like kind of going back to something that you mentioned a moment ago, like it's so tied to their own interpretation. The problem is like there are so many more interpretations of the Bible that can be queer affirming. Like sure. Genesis is actually very open to gender expansive people to the, to the point where like the creation narrative uh, doesn't exclude trans people. Uh, and to the point where Joseph in the Bible is almost entirely described as being feminine and yep. taking on a feminine role to the point where Joseph becomes the adopted mother of their great grandkid. Like <laughs> this, that is the language and the Im- imagery within one book of the Bible. Right. But the fact is we, we do see indication of queer relationships in the Bible um, and not just talk about David and Jonathan, because I truly believe that David uh, <laughs> led Jonathan on to, for political power. Um, mm. That's an entire in-depth thing. Yes. Jonathan did have like actual homosexual feelings towards David. Like the Bible's incredibly clear about that, and it matches other ancient Near Eastern writing in in using the same language for queer relationships. But then we look at it and we pull the oh, they were roommates type 
type stuff, right? right. Like, yes. like we have all these people in right. history that were quote roommates and, and uh, clearly they weren't. Uh, yeah. Right. They, like people do that to the Bible <laughs> with, right. with different relationships that are going on there. Yeah. No, I think that's really good. All right, let's keep going. We're almost done with, with this, with this letter. And I, I think it's important that we're kind of going through it. So, so I think one thing I wanted to, I wanted to highlight and friends, listen to me, if you want to read it, you can just, you can just Google the, the, the letter is still up. Um, you can see the whole thing in context for yourself. So you know that we're not pulling anything out or twisting words here. I think part of the, the, what really got me was, and this, again, we've kind of said this, but I think it's important for you to hear it from their voice. So they end up saying the author of this, um, after the whole thing about, you know, we love our child. We always loved our child, but we can't delight in evil. Um, they go, she, my wife and I must die to ourselves for a few reasons. First, Jesus is life and the only way to living life to the fullest. Our words and actions can point our child to their need for Jesus. Uh, three, we trust that dying to self leads to greater life and praise to God. I want to address this dying to self thing. Again, mm-hmm. I just find it so weaponized um, because um, people in evangelical circles don't really die to self the way that we're talking about here. I've never no. seen John MacArthur say, I have too much money. I have to die myself. I've died to self because, you know, greed's a big sin in the Bible. So I have to sell everything. Like they're always able to maintain their privilege and power and status quo. That's fine. But the, but the other or the person that's the enemy, well, in order to be accepted, they have to die to themselves, which they pull out of the Bible specifically using it as a weapon to then beat other people into submission of what their view of following Jesus looks like, right? Because in point one, the author says, Jesus is life in the only way to living life to the fullest. Again, we're not talking about reading the Sermon on the Mount and thinking, okay, how do we love, how do we do this? Because guess what? Jesus doesn't talk about trans people at all. Like there's no moral judgment made, period, on like, you know, on on being Mm -hmm. trans. It's just not there. So following Jesus can easily fit inside that framework, no problem. But there's there's caveats in in what they mean by Jesus is life, right? There's 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 uh there's foundational beliefs and boundaries that are implicitly baked into that sentence. So you and I, um, me, I'm not sure where you are, Kaylee, like in your spiritual journey, but I could say to anyone who's a Christian, I agree. Jesus is life. We would have infinitely or very different definitions of what that means. And also the concept of the only way to living life to the fullest. I would also dispute that too, because again, you have to erase the lived experience of literally billions of people who aren't Christian, who live a very full, prosperous, you know, human flourishing driven life. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's so much there that, that you brought up. Uh, so one, first of all, dying to yourself is not really <laughs> there it's that's that phrase is not actually said in the bible anywhere yeah, yeah. It, it's a concept that is brought on by other verses that then developed into a theological understanding of how we're supposed to somehow imitate jesus in the giving up of who we are which is not actually a christian principle whenever the bible talks about things like the flesh and the spirit like if we're going to go down this route of denying our flesh and being only of the spirit we've gone into gnosticism Mm. which is like this buzzword that i I haven't seen it in a while but it's like a buzzword that people have thrown out there like progressivism is gnosticism yeah it's actually not (laughs) it's actually not gnosticism is the idea that there's a separation between flesh and and spirit and that the fact is evangelicalism actually pushes you to reject your flesh, your sinful nature, like whatever, and embrace like the spiritual as you become more like Jesus. That's Gnosticism. Right. <laughs> it's 100% Gnosticism, right. um, which is really interesting in and of itself. But also like th- there's like this system of control that exists within understanding the Bible in this way, where giving up who you are as an individual to become, to basically become this weird clone of jesus but not like a true clone of jesus who actually cares about the poor but like this white american version of jesus you're supposed to become this weird clone like giving up everything that you are in and of yourself which isn't biblical at all Mm, like mm. that's not there like when you like when you read the bible like there's actually a lot going on where just to use it biblical language i know not everyone uses kingdom of god but i'm gonna use kingdom of god because uh i don't know what else to use it, honestly and i hate the word kingdom because nah, yeah, of my nah. own personal linguistic issues um <laughs> i'm in favor of kingdom too go for it <laughs> uh, but 
like the kingdom of God is is continuously spoken of as this thing that is growing and expanding and letting new people in. Those people yeah. aren't coming in and be and like all becoming the same person. Like Paul literally talked about, hey, uh, we're all different, and and that's a good thing, right? Um, <laughs> Jesus welcomed in a lot of different people, like including the Samaritan woman at the well who didn't even believe in the Jewish Messiah. She believed in the Samaritan prophet that was supposed to come because they didn't believe that a ruler was going to come. They believed in another prophet in the line of Moses. Like she doesn't even believe that Jesus is the Jewish Messiah. She just believes that Jesus is the prophet that the Samaritans were looking for. And like, Jesus is completely okay with that. Right. Like the, the entire like story of the new Testament is like, Oh, Hey, like here's this idea that was started to develop and like now it's expanding and, and, even uh, Romans and Samaritans and eunuchs, like everybody, everybody gets to come in. Like this is a way of living. And the kingdom of God is like this subversive anti-Roman concept. It's not like a physical thing. Like it really subverts authoritarian structures. Thus it becomes like this new way of thinking about how we interact with each other without creating hierarchies. Right. Um, (laughs) Christianity today really does rely on hierarchies there's the like unrecognized one where we put white white cis men at the top and everyone else below in some form Um, but at the same time we also create hierarchies of like cis people are somehow more in line with god than trans people because we believe that we have to understand the bible in this way it's just it's so counter to like the narrative that say luke was writing about in Luke and Acts, where it just keeps expanding. It's it's so against what Paul was doing whenever he's like writing to the Romans, where he's like, hey, we have Roman Christians, we have Jewish Christians, you all have your own different things. Put it all aside, like get along. Like right, <laughs> the book the right. book of Romans is like this long drawn out thing of hey, just get along. Yeah. Like that's that's yeah. it. And it, it's just such, it's such an anti-Near Eastern understanding of a Near Eastern text mm. because we have taken it over the last 2000 years. We have filtered it through uh, a Roman, a Roman takeover of Christianity. We filtered it through yeah. a European development and then European uh, supremacy understanding of Christianity. Then we have taken it to become colonialistic and that has become the means of of conquering other nations and forcing religion onto other people. And like, there's 2000 years of creating white Jesus that we have today. And, and there is such a, uh, there's such a reliance on that having to be the correct Jesus that people will put out articles saying that they're okay with their kid dying because they love that Jesus more. Yes. They're not open to even questioning right. what it, what the Bible is actually meant to be. Like it's an ancient, it's an ancient Near Eastern text. It's m- meant to be understood and reflected on through wisdom. Like yes. <laughs> that's a cultural right. thing. Wisdom it's not literature. meant to, yeah. yeah, it's, it's not actually meant to like give you answers. It's meant to like force you to ask more questions. And right. we have used it so much to, to find certainty, to find all of the answers for modern day life, which I hate to break to you. Like the Bible did not understand that we were going to be driving cars and like have an entire, <laughs> like capitalism wasn't even thing. And right. the Delph writers understand like, yeah, the point is to like, look at what is going on and ask questions about where you're at today. And I just don't see how, how you start to ask questions in regard to scripture and come out with, Oh, uh, I'm supposed to let my kid die. I don't know right. how you get there. Right. Like right. you have to be so set on, on the inability to ask questions to even get remotely close to getting there. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. All right. So there's two more like little paragraphs here and then we'll, we'll wrap it up. And I, I think this is maybe the worst part of it all for me, at least. So the author mm-hmm. goes on to say regularly, my wife and I admit the only way we can follow Jesus through these tumultuous waters is by the sustaining grace God gives in Jesus. My child's struggles have shown us our dependence on Jesus. And as we gaze at our Savior, we see how Jesus' death was the only one that blossomed into resurrection life, not only for himself, but for all who trust him as their Savior and Lord. 
If I'm resting in Jesus and looking to him, my continued death resulting from my child's spiritual blindness can only mean more life. This doesn't mean I'll always get things, I'll always get the things I think I should receive, but it does mean God wastes no deaths that share in Christ's suffering. So somehow at the end of this, how I read this is, woe is me, I'm the one mm-hmm. under attack. Um, my child's spiritual blindness is causing me death, spiritually speaking. And all I could do is, mm-hmm. is trust that Christ resurrects me. Meanwhile, their child is in the freaking ER telling their yeah. parents, um, hello, I am at risk of losing my physical life, which mm-hmm. I know this might shock some people, but people do not raise back to life, at least in this world. And it's how I debated what happens after we die, right? So again, yeah. we have this belief system that's so ingrained where the author can literally write this and say, Hey, um, you know, my child's struggles have shown us our dependence on Jesus. And hey, if I'm resting in Jesus and looking to him, my continued death resulting from my child's spiritual blindness can only mean more life. So really, I'm the one who's had the hard uh, season here. I'm the one who's had the hard, mm-hmm. the hard go at it. And then, and then someone at the TGC, maybe it's a staff writer, maybe whoever, but however this letter got to someone at TGC, they go, this is really great. We should post mm-hmm. this three or four stinking days before Thanksgiving. Like, uh, okay. It, it, it just, it, it blows my mind. Yeah. Just think about how manipulative that is in, yes. in actuality, yes. right? Yes. Like they're literally saying, Hey, my kid almost died, but I am dying. <laughs> like, right. That is what they're doing. Jesus. Like, right. Do you know how manipulative that is? My kid almost died. They're alive, but I am dying. Thus, right. my experience is worse. Right, right. That is that is, oh, that's so fucked up. Right, yeah. like, yeah, uh, absolutely, just incredibly disgusting. And not only, and not only that, you brought this up. They they decided to post this. They decided to post this the day before Thanksgiving. Uh, I know the. The day that is most known for being for resulting in arguments with family members, right? And also, like trans issues are, they knew that we're going to be the hot political topic. Like uh, leading up to Thanksgiving on TikTok and on like Instagram Reels, like people are making jokes about going to holiday uh, dinner, and then like the uncle brings up trans people, right? A hundred percent. It was the joke leading into Thanksgiving. And the Gospel Coalition decided that the best thing for them to do is prep everyone before that meal with, hey, this is what it means to follow Jesus. So now, for me, I had, I had family that reads the Gospel Coalition saying at my house when this was published, <laughs> I'm talking about grooming, like this is literally grooming people to how to respond. Like, it doesn't matter if there were actual arguments in affirming trans people, if there's actual arguments from the Bible that say like affirming gender expansive people is fine. Like all that doesn't matter because right right now your faithfulness to our idea of Jesus is more important than that. You can just shove that off because loving Jesus means uh, staying faithful to, to our teaching than to like actually look at facts or anything like that. And that's, I mean, that's what they, that's literally what they did. You can't like, you can't tell me that they did not post this the day before Thanksgiving without that in mind. And then without having in mind that they're literally saying that the parent was worse off than the trans kid. Yeah. Because the trans kid almost died, but the parent is dying. Right. Yeah, I, it's just, I, it's disgusting. No, I, I, I mean, I don't know what to say, you know, like it, it, it is, I, I think it demonstrates this upside down narrative that these folks have that they really think that the most loving thing they, to do is to be okay with their own, not just other people's children, but their own children ending up on, on a bed uh, in the ER from, mm-hmm. from, you know, checking themselves in, right. To, to get help before it's too late. And the response is like, you, I think you said it so well, um, you said something to the effect of like, my child is at risk of dying, but I am actually dying. And it's like, yeah, wow. Like, wow. And again, 
I don't know if this is a generation thing. I don't know all the reasons that go into this, but I've noticed trends in my own experience, which is not data. It's just what I've experienced. So don't take it as, as, as a, as me painting with a broad brush here. I'm just saying for, for that, there, there tends to be people who are usually a little bit older than me, like maybe 45 and older, I'm 35, who grew up in this certain way and and the cement of their brain has hardened and it leads to this kind of stuff. And you go, I don't understand. I mean, I'm a parent now, okay? I, I, I'm experiencing <laughs> this love that I've been told about that's unconditional for my kids. And it's true. Like I would do anything for my children. I mean, I can't believe, I, there's things I do now where I'm like, I can't believe I'm doing this, but here I am, I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. It's not even a problem, you know? I mean, a funny example is changing poopy diapers. Before I was yeah. a parent, I'm like, who the hell changes a poopy diaper? That's gross. I don't even think <laughs> twice. It's not even a thought anymore. Like morning, night, yeah. sick, doesn't matter. I'll change their poopy diaper. That's just a small you know, uh, example of that. The, the idea that my child could come to me one day and say, hey, dad, you know, I, I, I'm experiencing whatever. Maybe they, they, maybe they use the phrase, I, I'm experiencing gender dysphoria. What do I do? I want help. I would say, well, we need to talk to medical professionals who know this shit mm-hmm. and we need to do whatever we can to get you healthy, whatever that looks like for you. Yeah. You know, I'm not sure what the answer is. That's why we need access to healthcare to make sure that we navigate this the best way for you because no one's the same. What I would mm-hmm. not think is reasonable is for me to say, well, I have this spiritual conviction. And if you don't adhere to it, it's all your fault. I mean, let me just be really, really even, maybe this is too far of a line. Kayla, you can correct me. You (laughs) have permission to say, Tim, this is bullshit. I'm going to go so far to even say, you are allowed to have your thoughts about the Bible and theology and God that might not jive with, 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 with certain things that might be whatever. But if that gets in the way of loving your child, of, of helping your child find the, the access to the health care that they need to become a functioning member of society for their own well-being, that seems like idolatry to me. I'm sorry. It just does. Like the fact that someone can it, say, it is. I had this belief. I'm going to ignore my biological instinct to love my child as they're telling me that I'm on that they're on the verge of potentially ending their own life. I'm going to say, sorry, this ideological belief that doesn't even exist in the material world. It's not embodied. It's not human. It's not even stamped with the Imago Dei, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to place that not just over me mentally, but I'm going to force it over you and tell you to now bear this cross or else I really can't love you properly. And those crosses kill people. Like they literally kill people. And it's mm-hmm. just like, what 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 Christian faith are we witnessing when this is the fruit? It's crazy. Yeah, yeah I mean, Jesus said, pick up your cross and follow me. He, he didn't say, hey, put other people on a cross so you can follow me, right? Exactly. Uh, but like, pull this back just a little bit. I don't know about your tradition. My tradition, we do actually hold ignoring medical advice as like a spiritual thing like they're you know they're some people grew up or or right. are still in this world where you believe all physical things can be healed through faith right and then like yes yes every once in a while we get those stories of people being charged with child abuse for not taking their kids to the doctor because they prayed instead this is exactly the same thing <laughs> literally where there are healthcare every major healthcare institution like they tell you that trans people exist that the best way to help trans people is to help them as early as possible whenever they recognize that and it's not an instant thing like if a child comes out and says that they're trans like you don't immediately start hormones like that's not that is not happening no matter no matter what like weird uh weird thing that politicians say like right. it's not yeah. happening like regardless of what cutting, matt walsh says it's bullshit you know yes yeah, like we're not cutting off pe- children's genitals which first of all adult grown men should not be talking about kids genitals let's 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 draw that line like matt walsh stop talking about kids genitals it's gross uh mm. and very concerning but like the fact is is it it is choosing a belief system and choosing your spirituality over medical care yeah and that is the exact same thing that we would make fun of people for doing in my bible college like my bible college was super fundamental and we would still make fun of the people that didn't get medical care because they thought praying was going to fix it right like this is exactly the same thing but because it is so like 
well accepted amongst conservative circles. Like it's not seen that way because uh, I don't know group thought or whatever. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, that's a that's a great point. I I grew up more in the reform, you know, fundamentalist camp. So we weren't necessarily mm-hmm. naming and claiming it. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we, we would laugh. I mean, I remember the first time I heard that, that, that there were people who read the the last chapter of Mark and, and really try and handle poisonous snakes. Yeah. I'm like, that's crazy, right? Or to your point, if you're sick, if you have a, a serious illness or, or if you need surgery, no one goes to the pastor to give them the medical diagnosis, right? I would never mm-hmm. trust a pastor to give me a medical advice. So why do we trust? them to give us advice when it comes to helping trans people you know like it's obviously a medical thing um especially so, trans yeah. kids because especially. pastors yeah. pastors and marginalized children don't generally turn out well yeah yeah and i mean for, for, for what it's worth by the way i mean this is such a random piece of information that i just discovered recently as i was doing some research for something but did you know that america still has a child bride problem like there mm-hmm. are there are states that have many states that have no there's no law against marrying someone under 18 um, if, mm-hmm. if they have parental consent. So there are places where and this is true. You can look it up, folks. Children as young as 12 have been married off to people who are over 18 because there's parental consent mm-hmm. in America in the 2020s. Okay, this is a real thing. And in fact, the data I read was between 2000 and 2020, there's something like 300,000 people uh, or kids, you know, under 18. So it could be teenagers, but also younger than that, that were married off to people who were over 18. Um, Mm -hmm. I looked it up. I was just kind of curious because, you know, we we always hear about how children are under threat and how the trans virus is taking over the minds of kids and ruining them, yada, 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 which is uh, it's garbage. And then you hear about, you know, how, how everyone's on hormones. Uh, There's been about 5,000 kids over the past three years who went on some form of hormone therapy. And it's very rare. Like it's rare. And usually Mm -hmm. it's at a much later age and it's very rare. So I'm just saying like, you look at like, like the numbers of kids who are getting married under 18 is such a higher percentage than, than people who are under 18 who are on some kind of like, you know, um, maybe we could say like medical path, right. To, uh, for their, uh, for their transitioning. And again, even Mm -hmm. if that's the case, I trust that doctors and parents are working with their kids to make the right decisions, but it's not like it's a common thing. It's not like it's like one in three, kids suddenly mm-hmm. are taking puberty blockers, right? It's quite yeah. rare. And so you would think like, well, if we're, if, we're, if we're really talking about saving children, maybe the more important discussion legally we should be having is making sure that all 50 states are banning the practice of marrying <laughs> kids off to adults. Like I'm just saying, if that is the standard, it's like yeah. protect the kids. I have a much more serious problem that's actually a problem than kids who are realizing that, hey, you know, um, I'm not sure what the right term is. I'm sorry, Kaylee. Maybe uh, is it gender dysphoria? I don't want to say the wrong thing. I get really uh, worried gender about dysphoria that. is still what is being used in medical circles. Uh, okay, there are there is pushback against it, but feel free okay. to okay. to keep you. I, I get real skittish sometimes. I'm like, I don't want to <laughs> offend anyone and say the wrong thing. But I'm just saying there are kids who are experiencing legitimate gender dysphoria who are like, hey, I want help. I need help, and parents are mm-hmm. looking for ways to get help with their children. So it just it just blows my mind how the, the things that we're focused on, especially in these right-wing evangelical spaces, like we're writing articles about this uh, yeah. and we see the fruit and it's rotten. So anyway, end yeah. of rant. I just had to say it. I mean, no, I mean, you're, no, you're right. Uh, but when it comes to trans kids and let's expand this out to like trans kids in sports as well. Mm. Uh, like the current narrative is we have to stop it. Like right. we have to cut it off, like all that. At what point do we say, Hey, this is happening actually happening in our world and our response is hey let's just shut down let's not talk about it don't let the information be out there like no like most areas we go oh let's research it let's come up with a plan let's help uh let's help things like get better yeah and that like that's what is needed like are you worried about a trans girl in girls sports when they're a teenager if you are then maybe you should support allowing trans kids to come forward and like receive the care that they have so they go through the right purity Mm, right like mm -hmm. the the way the way to actually like help kids help trans people isn't to just shut off all access it's actually improve access to improve research to improve our medical system the it's almost it's such a fear tactic in my mind that If this exists, then it so undermines my worldview that I just can't have it. So instead of like even examining 
the possibility that trans people exist, we're just going to try to shut it down as yeah. early as possible with the, the least amount of thinking. No, that's great. Well, listen, I don't want to um, leave anything off the table. Is there anything else that you wanted to add before we wrap up? I mean, I appreciate you making time and responding to this. There's a lot here and we went through almost an hour now, but anything else that I'm missing? Um, I mean, I, I expanded on some more things. Uh, you can, I wrote a blog on it for, on our Substack for uh, Center for Prophetic Imagination. And also there's an article coming out on our Bible app. Um, so some things that I didn't cover here are more covered there. Like, so I went into the story of uh, Abraham sacrificing Isaac and the language of that verse actually has two gods in it, mm. uh, not just one God, mm. um, which to me is really interesting. But like I go into more detail on that um, and just trust the fact that like this is the gospel coalition showing their their fruit, worshiping their God might mean sacrificing might mean sacrificing your children and according to their founding documents they want to make people zealous for the teachings of the church hmm. like zealous literally meaning like going out of their way to like make this happen so that should be concerning for anyone who is wanting to make a zealous group and are pushing for the justification of the death of children that's concerning. Yeah. That is the gospel coalition. That is their fruit. Well, send me the link. I'll try and put that blog in our show notes so people can read it if they want to. Perfect. And Kaylee, I appreciate you making time and reaching out. It means a lot to have you come on the podcast. Um, where else can folks find you? Do you have any other public accounts or, you know, et cetera? Plug away. Yeah. Uh, so my only public social media for myself is on threads. It's Kaylee, K-A-L-I-E dot May, M-A-Y. And then an underscore because Kaylee May was already taken. <laughs> uh, of course. And I'll send that to you as well. But also, mostly I am active on the Center for Prophetic Imagination. We are on Instagram, Facebook, Threads, Twitter, Substack, and we have a website. Awesome. Um, so if you want to follow me mostly, follow CPI because I'm I'm the one that's doing almost all of the digital content. Like a lot of it is my ideas like put out there and stuff. Awesome. I love it. Well, thanks again for coming on. I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Yeah, it sounds good. Thank you. 